Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. This is pretty exciting stuff to me. This is what the church is based upon. Last week, we saw that that the faith and the trust that, that Paul had towards his Savior, Jesus Christ, saw himself, Paul, not as just a prisoner. No, no, he was not a prisoner of Rome, even though he was in Rome. He wasn't a prisoner of Caesar who placed him in that prison. He wasn't e- neither a prisoner of his enemies who followed him from 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 where he was to to Rome to make sure that they would put him to death if could be. And he wasn't even a prisoner of his circumstances. Now Paul saw himself as chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us, he saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul wrote later in the book of Philippians, the 4th chapter, the 11th, 12th, and 13th verse, Paul says, I've learned something. I've learned something in my life. And that was that he had learned to be content in whatever circumstance he might have found himself. And his secret of how how to deal with these circumstances was found in verse 13 of, of Philippians chapter 4. And that is that he could do or handle all things through Christ who strengthened him. Paul found his total trust in the Lord no matter what his outward circumstances might have said to the contrary. And so Paul, as he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, I walk by faith and not by what? No, all the circumstances, yes, sight was right. All the circumstances that were surrounding him, he could look and see, I am in, I am in deep trouble. I am in a problem area. But he chose not to look at his circumstances. What what Paul decided was of utmost importance to him was to walk by faith and not by sight. Therefore, when Paul penned the words in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Knowing that, stating that, that he is a prisoner of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not his circumstances, Paul now wants to reveal to us a mystery that had not been known in the ages past. The mystery is none other than the church, us, the believers in Jesus Christ. I want you to note something before we start reading in chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. I want you to note how Paul starts. We, we said this last week. He starts in verse 1 of chapter 3, for this reason. But it, some commentators write that Paul all of a sudden took a, uh, what Pastor West so commonly calls a rabbit trail. He, he went off to talk about this mystery called the church. What his purpose was, as you'll note in verse 14, as he writes these same words, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul wanted, I believe, to pray for us. But first, I believe the Holy Spirit of God moved Paul to tell us what he is going to pray about, why he bows his knees before the Father. And that is this mystery, this place called the church. Now let's read verses 1 through 13. And this is holy, holy ground. Paul writes, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you, 
that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, he writes in verse 6, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which, Paul writes, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of His power. To me, he writes in verse 8, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. Therefore, Paul writes in verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. This is an amazing place in the Word of God. Paul asks us finally, he says just before he goes into this prayer, don't lose don't lose faith. Don't lose your trust in, 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 in what I am going through. Don't lose heart, he said at verse 13, at my tribulations on your behalf, because he says they are for your glory. In other words, he is talking about what he is going through on behalf of building God's church. And he, the tribulations that Paul went through to study them are many. They are deep. They are, 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 are terrible things that he went through. But he says, look, what I've gone through, don't lose heart at these tribulations. They have been done. I have gone through them. And as you know, Paul, he says, I have gone through them with joy for your glory on your behalf. I want to add to you at the end, I will say right now, there are things that you and I need to go through for the glory of the church. Some of the sufferings, some of the trials, some of the difficulties, some of the tribulations that we go through are, gone, are, to, are to go through for the glory of the church so it might carry on, so that it might do whatever God has for it to do to the next generation. Some of us here might need to go through difficulties and trials so the church might be glorified in and through our lives and in and through the next generation. It is the greatest privilege that we have as believers to magnify and glorify the very church that God has given us. And I will be very specific today. I'll tell you why I, was I will be uh, specific today. It is because I can't go to other churches and try to change them. I can't. And I've had far, far, far too many people 
either call, write, or come back saying, we went elsewhere. We went to, we had to move to another community. Some people have literally moved back from where they have gone, some out of state, because they couldn't find a church that taught the Word of God. And they saw the importance of the Word of God being taught to their families, to their kids, to themselves. And they had to come back. And so I will be specific because you and I, try as we may, cannot always change other places. Some will gather together for whatever reason they want to gather together. Some to have larger numbers, some to... I don't know why. I don't know why. Only God can judge our hearts. And so I will be specific today and talk about the Rock Community Church. Because this is the one place that we can try with all of our hearts to make this place a place that will glorify our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, therefore glorifying our God and our Father who is in heaven. And also you and I can live. We can live to glorify and to rejoice in who we are through this church for the next generation, to lay a foundation that is rock solid for them. And so let, with that in mind, let, let's, let's begin this message. But first, let's ask God to, to bless us, please. Would you pray with me and, and pray f- earnestly in your heart? As I pray, if you want to say other things in your own heart of hearts, please do so. But I, I pray, Father, please, would you do us the greatest gift of, of all? Would you open up our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, all that we are, that we might behold wonderful things? from your written law, the very Bibles that we hold in our hands. Would you teach us a lesson of what this church is to be like, what, a, what we are to function as, as a body of believers, that we, that we would love one another, be unified with one another, that we would celebrate the fact that we know and love a risen Savior and we love you by the way that we express ourselves in studying your Word, knowing your Word making Your Word the rock-solid foundation of who we are because of Your Son, Jesus Christ, and because of the Holy Spirit that lives within us who can teach us, conform us, comfort us, convict us, do all the things that the Holy Spirit will do within each of our lives as we listen to the Word of God being explained. Oh, Father, please move me aside. That is a responsibility that I... I walk to every single day and I rejoice that you have given me this privilege. But Father, I shudder. I shudder at the responsibility of it all. I I do not, Father, as Paul is going to teach us, I do not desire to do this in my own power. Cannot. Will not. I want to walk where great men of God and great women of God who walk before us. I want to walk in those steps. I want to sense the grace of God, the power of God, the wisdom of God flowing through this place. And so move me aside. Let us all hear from you. Let us hear your heart, Father, in this issue of what we have here, this great, great privilege that we have being called a church. Its name is the Rock Community Church. But its purpose, Father, is to exalt and to praise and to worship your Son. 
And we do so, dear Father, by studying your word so that we might, by your word, be conformed into the people that you've, you've created us to be. Please bless us. Please, dear Father, let us see what is so important about this place that we gather week in and week out. And bless us, Father, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Look, at Paul starts in verse 1 saying, for this reason. Now, whenever he says that, he is now referring back to chapters 1 and chapter 2. For this reason, he has said, as I have already explained, you, you are one in Christ. You are secure because what of God the Father had did for you in chapter 1. Remember verses uh, 3 through 6? In chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, we, we, we are told that God the Father has has called us long ago before the ages he has he has claimed us to be holy and blameless before him because of what he has done for us in the present and in the present we learn in chapter one i think it's from verse uh, seven through verse 12 what jesus christ has has already done for us at the cross he has redeemed us he has paid the price so, so that our sins would be forgiven And so we are secure in our past, we are secure in our present, and then in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1, we are secure in our future because there there has been given to us this, this God, not the Father, God, not the Son, but God the Holy Spirit, who has given us a pledge and has sealed us in the future and will present us before God. And so Paul has taught these things to us so that we might be secure in who we are, in our trust of of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the strength of what Paul is about to explain concerning the church is found in Paul's undying trust in Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us in verse 2 that this ministry of his comes from the grace of God a ministry that God gave him. Look, verse 2, If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. This stewardship, this ministry that Paul has, he did not choose. This ministry, this stewardship that Paul has been given was given to him by God. And I want you to note in verse 8, the kind of people that God often will choose to honor Him, that will choose, that He will choose to, to live out our lives in, in, in respect of Him. Paul writes in verse 8, to me, he writes, Paul, the very least of the saints, this grace was given so as to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ. I want you to see more of of this, the kind of person that God will call out to serve Him so that you and I will not feel that we're unworthy, so that we will not feel that we can't fit into the, the shoes of the people that serve the Lord before us. Look at 1 Timothy. Hold your place here in Ephesians and turn to the right. Find 1 Timothy chapter 1. I, I will wait. It's, it's not too far. You go by Philippians and, and Colossians and 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and you'll find Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
Listen to what Paul says concerning him under the inspiration, concerning himself, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit who had him pen these words. Paul says in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because, Paul writes, he considered me to be faithful, putting me into service. Even though, he says in verse 13, I was formerly a blasphemer. I was formerly a persecutor. I was formerly a violent aggressor. All of this against Jesus Christ and the church that was being formed. He was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor against these things. Yet, he says in the middle of verse 13, I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant, Paul says, with the faith and love which are found in Jesus Christ. In other words, the grace, this unmerited favor, God's unmerited favor to Paul was found more, more than abundant. It's the same thing for you and me. So he says in verse 15, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to what? Save sinners, among whom Paul writes, I am foremost of all. I I used to think, I'd love to think that I was the worst of the lot that God chose, but I can't claim that. Paul already has that. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I was among sinners the foremost of all. And he says, yet, For this reason, in verse 16, I I, I found mercy. Why? Why Why did God give him this mercy? Because he was a persecutor. He was a blasphemer. He was a violent aggressor against Jesus Christ. And yet he found mercy. Why? So that in me, as the foremost, in other words, the, 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 the worst of the worst of the sinners, he says, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience, watch this now, as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. In other words, Paul says, my past God used for his glory. I thought about that. I couldn't move on after I started thinking about 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I thought about an experience that I personally experienced in my life. We had a Bible study going on at the other place that I pastored. We had a bunch of guys that I gathered together and, and asked them to meet. We met once a week and it was, an, it was a glorious time. It was really special. We, we had just a, there weren't a lot of people in the church, but we gathered these guys together and we had a dream about having a ministry for men. We even came up, I did, my wife and I came up with the name Mob, Men of the Bible. And we labeled that 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 group of guys a mob let's gather together and we did and then we, we we invited anyone and everyone that wanted to come and and and, and into this group walked a guy who was an, an atheist an agnostic didn't even believe in god but he was his wife made him come to church his name was Wes brown and he walked into this study it was really really well it was amazing to see him there even though he didn't believe like all of us did he listened every week and then into the group was invited a young man by the name of Robert. This man, Robert, was a very unique man. He was a self-proclaimed pimp. 
He was a self-proclaimed gangbanger, said that he had killed some people. He sold drugs to his community, and out of his community, he founded Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and gave his testimony to us. And we as a group fell in love with this young man named Robert. And he would come and, and study with us. And he also said that he was sick. And we didn't know how sick he was, but he said he was sick. And, and as it went along, he got sicker and sicker. Ended up he had AIDS. And so we went and visited him when he was in the hospital. We sang hymns with him. And shortly thereafter, he died. This man who was a self-proclaimed pimp, uh, selling drugs to his community, having been a gangbanger, and, and I think he told us he killed somebody, and yet God brought him out of that. And after he died, Wes Brown came to me. And he said, you know, I don't know about your God. Here's this guy, he says, who's making a huge impact in his community. He has gone back to the people that he used to run with and against and, and did the most despicable things. And, and he was making an impact in the, the barrios in which he went back into. And, and, and God allowed him to die. What about your God? And I remember that it was like the Lord said to me, ask Wes a question. And so I said, you think Robert's so great, do you? Oh, yeah, me too. You think Robert is making a great impact on his community, do you? Oh, yeah, he said. I said, me too. I said, let me ask you just one thing then. If Robert's so great, why has he not led you to Christ? Oh, you could have heard a pin drop in that restaurant. It's one of the few times I ever saw this powerful man sit silent. Didn't know what to say. You think he's so great, I said? And yet you don't trust in the Savior whom he loves, I said? It was as quiet there at that lunch as it is right now. And my point is clear. God will take the most despicable of us, those of us who, who have done the most outlandish things, and He will take us and change our lives and use us for His glory. By the grace of God, Wes Brown, of course, came to believe and trust in Jesus Christ and has had an impact, impact in Christianity in a great way because of the testimony of different men, but particularly of this testimony of this, this guy called Robert. You see, Paul saw his own shortcomings but his shortcomings did not stop him from serving the Lord. Listen, his past, Paul's, did not hinder his present. And you know what? Your past, yours, 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 mine, our past, should not hinder what we do for the Lord today. 
There are no excuses. Paul says, I was the foremost of all sinners. Among them all, I was the worst, he said. And yet God used Paul to glorify the church. Listen, Christian, every single one of us, all of us who love Jesus Christ, are nothing more and nothing less than prisoners of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have been called to serve our Lord with the gifts that He has so graciously given to us. All of us, every single one of us who have come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ have been, the moment we trust in Him, been given by God a specific spiritual gift to be used within the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. Last night I had a gentleman come to me and say, you know, there's times when I go out and park cars when my feet are sore. My back is very, very sore. I don't feel good. But he says, I see people coming in their cars and I wave at them and I bring them in and they wave and and, and I smile at them and they smile back at me. And he says, I feel like a million dollars. Is parking cars a spiritual gift? You bet. When it's done under the power and the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, And you might say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Good. I'm going to teach you right here, right now. We're going to go to a a school of theology, a seminary. I'm going to save you literally hundreds of dollars that you could spend to go to a conference to find out what is your spiritual gift. I'll teach you right here, right now. You don't even need a pencil and a paper. What is it that you'd like to do? If you could do anything else within this church, what is it that you'd like to do? Do it. Start it. Start doing it. And in a very short time, people will tell you, you shouldn't be doing that. That's not your gift. Or you'll know it yourself. But be active. Do it. And as soon as someone tells you that's not your gift, then say, fine, move on and find out what it is, you, what else you can do to serve the Lord Serving the Lord, finding your gift is just the the desire to do something for Jesus Christ. And normally it's something that you'd want to do if you could. Keep trying. Keep trying until you find your niche. Paul writes of this mystery. This mystery in verse 3, he says that he wrote about before in brief. Oh, by the way, I just saved you a lot of money. If you want to know what your gift is, it's just a matter of getting busy. This mystery in verse 3 that Paul wrote about in brief was seen in chapter 2 where the church body was to gather together in unity. That was what he told us briefly. No more superstars within the family of God. We are all to serve the Lord the best we know how. Just all of us working together to serve Jesus Christ, to fulfill whatever it is that He has for us as a body of believers. You see, church is nothing more, nothing less than all of us gathering together to worship and to serve the Lord our God in love and in unity. And so we are told in verses 4 and verses 5 that this mystery of Jesus Christ, this mystery that was, that was out there was not known before, but it is spelled out in verse 6. Paul says, here it is, to be specific. This is it. 
that the Gentiles and the Jews, in other words, all people now are fellow heirs. All people are now fellow members of the body. All people are fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The body always refers to the church, which is the body of Christ. Paul says as much in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He says, in my flesh I do my share, he says, on behalf of his body, which is the church. That's the church. Old Testament saints in verse 5 had no vision of the church. They, they didn't see Jew and Gentile. They didn't see other people gathering together with them into one functioning body to do the work of God through, through His Son, Jesus Christ. No longer were there any racial di uh, distinctions. No longer was there any of that division we were all one in Christ. No second-class Christians anymore. No superstars. Just all of us using the gifts that God so graciously given to us so as to build up the body of Christ. God taught Peter exactly that lesson. When Peter was in Caesarea and he had a vision, a man named Cornelius had called him to come to his city in Caesarea. And when when Peter got there, he was, he was, he was aghast. He, he, this guy was a Gentile. And he invited him into his home with other Gentiles to have a bite to eat and fellowship with them. And, and, and Peter said to him, because Peter had just had a vision by God before that, where, where a sheet came down from heaven. And, 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 and you, you, if you want to read chapter, Acts chapter 10, you can see about it. But, but Peter, after this vision, said to this guy Cornelius, he says, you yourself know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. I, I, I couldn't before walk into your home. I couldn't have fellowship with you, Cornelius. Yet, he says... Yet God has shown me that I should not call any person unholy or unclean anymore. We are all one in Christ, regardless of our race, regardless of our, our status or who we are. When we walk into these doors and we worship God, we are all together in unity. Nobody more special than the other. So again in verse 7, back in Ephesians as in verse 2, Paul reminds us that this ministry of his was given to him by God. Given, I might add, as verse 7 reminds us, he says, of which I was made a minister according to, according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me, Paul wrote, according to the working of his power. Note, according to the working of God's grace and God's power. It's not... Paul who is at work, it is God who is working through him into the churches in which he established. <clears throat> Listen, if, if you're serving the Lord and you see results, regardless of how big or how little they may be, then rejoice and realize that it is God who is working in you to accomplish something that you would not have been able to accomplish in your own power. It is God's grace who is working in and through you and me. I, I tell you, I ask you, is there any greater thing
thrill on this universe in which we live as a Christian to know that God is using you for whatever reason. I tell you, that's why I wake up in the morning full of passion. That's why people ask me, how can you preach, you know, all these years? You still cry, you still get excited, you still love what you do. Yeah, I can't wait to get here. I can't wait. I know what I'm going to do tonight. I'll probably go home, watch a couple of games, get some rest, uh, football games, and get some rest, and, and then I'm going to study probably. I'll probably sit down at my computer and see, what does next week hold? What, is we, what are we going to do next week, Lord? What are you going to... How are you going to use me next week? And I can't wait to come back and do this again. I, am I a fool? Maybe. Maybe I'm a fool. But I love what God allows me to see happen in and through my life. As His grace is used within the body of Christ. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that is none of us, none of it is of, of my background my power listen when i go back to some old timers things and stuff like that guys that know me before look at me and they can't believe of all things you're a pastor they just can't believe it can't believe it it is the working of god's grace and his power paul also wrote of this in colossians chapter one this time verse 29 he says for this purpose paul says i labor Striving according to His power, the power of God, Paul writes, which mightily works within me. It's His power that is at work within any of us. God's power, power is mightily at work within Paul's life and it is within our lives as well. If we'll just desire to serve the Lord with no hidden agenda. And again in verse 8, Paul sees his limitations being the very least of all the saints, nonetheless, Paul saw himself perfected by the grace of God, the holiness of God, the love of God. Paul was saved not upon his own merit, but by the grace of God, just like you and I are. Same way we get saved. Not by how good we are. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I was the very least of all. A sinner saved by the grace of God, just like you and just like me. But Paul took his limitations, his self-proclaimed limitations, his unworthiness before God and man, and he was used mightily for the cause of Christ because it wasn't Paul who was doing it. It was God who was doing it through Paul. Our limitations do not nullify any of us for our usefulness before God. Why? Because it's not you who's doing the work. It is as verse 7 proclaims, it is the working of God's grace and His power through each and every one of us who want to serve the Lord. So this position that Paul has, has, has been given to him by God, when we come to verses 8, 9, and 10, which are extremely important verses for us, the church. Paul writes in verse 8, let me read verses 8, 9, and 10 with you again. He says, to me, the very least of all saints, to this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. This grace was given to Paul, just as, as it's given to you and me. And why was it given to Paul? Look at verse 9. To bring light, the mystery 
which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, in order that the manifold... The word manifold means many-faceted. Many-faceted wisdom of God might now be made known. Where? Where will it be made known? Through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul's mission was to bring the light of Jesus Christ and reveal God's great truth and God's wisdom to the world through the church. And God's wisdom is this. We're all equal. We're all gathered together to serve and to worship our God with the gifts that He has so graciously given to each and every single one of us. You see, for whatever reason, God wishes to use the church. Why? Because we're to show His wisdom before the heavenly authorities, before the angels, righteous and fallen, before all rulers in the heavenly places, and I believe before people here on this earth as well. Those of us who who are not exceptional, we're we're not the the brightest bulb in in the ceiling lit, you know, people stand back and awe. You mean that's happening through her or him? And they stand back in awe without maybe knowing it, seeing the wisdom of God being displayed. Verse 11 says, this is all done in accordance with His eternal purpose. God's purpose was the church would be to display the wisdom of God to this world in which we live, all, all done by His purpose which He carried out in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we the church are to live out our faith with one another in unity, according to God's eternal purpose. We do not merely exist to save souls. Don't get me wrong, I, I understand that's a, one of our primary goals. But we exist to to glorify God and to show His wisdom as we serve within the church. Not before merely our fellow man, but before rulers and authorities, angels fallen and and those that did not fall in the heavenly places. Why God has given us this task, it's not completely explained. All we know is that we, God's church, are here to serve Him and to glorify Him and to show off His wisdom and grace. And why I don't think it's exactly explained is because I believe each church has a calling from God upon it. I believe this church, and I'll tell you, I, I, this is what I believe. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll let God really make all of that out. But I believe God has given this church the gift of teaching. Great teachers, young teachers, who are on fire for the Lord, who, 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 who motivate me, who encourage me, who, who give me a, a, a sense of, yeah, this is happening. I, I believe God has placed this gift upon us as a body of believers, not only the young teachers, but those of us who are older as well, to teach the Word of God so that this church would grow deep, deep and deep and deep in, in who we are in Christ. So that you and I might use our gifts, whatever they might be, for His glory. Gifts that mightily work within you and in me. To show to all creatures God's manifold wisdom, all shown through His church. So, if you wish to support other 
organizations do so, but only with your extra efforts. Our first fruits, our first finances, our first time, our first talent, our first gifts, all that we have ought to be given to this, our church first. Why? So that we would get fat? No, no. So that the light of God's wisdom, just as He has ordained, might be shown through this church. Everything that God has ever done was done to display His glory. I could have, I could have mentioned a, a, a lot of different places, but, but listen to Psalms 19.1. It says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse are declaring the work of His hands. Telling of His glory. Declaring the work of His hands. Listen. The rulers, the authorities, saw the authority of God when He created the heavens and the earth. They saw the wrath of God at Mount Sinai. They saw the love of God at Calvary when He sacrificed His only Son for the forgiveness of sin. And they saw the power of God through the resurrection of His Son. And hear this, if you hear nothing else I say, they, the world, sees the wisdom of God through our church through those of us who gather together, live in unity, and show the world what a true group of believers who trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what we look like. Never, no, never neglect God's church. It is, it is a, such a large part of God's purpose for you and me on this earth. To neglect the church would be to neglect the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Which gets me to a point, reason enough for us to come to church fully ready to worship our God. There's no reason for us to be late. Listen, if I told you next Sunday that Jesus Christ Himself is going to preach the message, do you think you might be here on time? Might even be a little early. Might even have all of our sins confessed so that we might really Listen to everything He has to say to us. Well, I say to you, He is here this morning. He is here. We just can't see Him, but He's here. And we come here to worship Him. We come here to glorify His name. This is the place where we gather together as a group of people to worship our Lord, to worship our Savior. We ought to come here expecting to hear from Him. We ought to come here in reverence. We ought to be here to sing the hymns to Him. We ought to be here to, not only hymns, but all the songs, to sing all of the, the, the music that we have here and to worship Him and to give of our finances and to give of our time and, to, and just worship Him. And it shouldn't be a haphazard event. It should be something that if we are going to mark something on our calendar that is of importance during this week, it is church next Sunday. And so I ought to be here at time, and I ought to be here anxious to see what God is going to do in and through my life and the lives of those people that I gather together with. You see, the church shows everyone's God's grace and His love how God breaks down the barriers of race and status, making us all one in Jesus Christ, all of us equal, Jew, Gentile, all races alike. We are here to display the wisdom of God, the power of God, the grace of God. 
You see, God's wisdom is shown and His light is given through you and me, the church. So it says in verse 12, we have the boldness and we have the confident access through faith in Him. The church is everything to God in this age. In fact, this age is called... you know what this age is called that we live in right now? This is called the... what? The church age. We are living in the church age. God has ordained this for our time. Therefore, Paul says, verse 13, Don't lose heart, therefore... Don't lose heart at my tribulations because they're, they're done for your behalf, for your glory. You see, Paul is suffering for the church on behalf of our glory, on behalf of, of who we are. I ask you, I beg of you, I plead with you, should we not do the same? Should we not come with the greatest anticipation in the world, but to be here, to gather here together, to use whatever gift it is that God has given us and not to grow weary and not to grow tired. I promise you, I don't, I, you know how old I am. I, I'm, I'm as excited today as I was ever in my life. I am ready. I am ready. God, let's go. Let's go. Let's get busy, God. This is your day. This is the day that you have made. This might be my last day. Can I live it with all the exuberance that I have to glorify my Lord? Yes. Why not? Why not? Why sit in the corner, let this day go by, and then and, and God come back and say, What in the world were you doing? Couldn't you get there on time? Couldn't you worship me? Now you're going to worship me forever? Forever is now. Forever started the moment you were born, I guess, before that. Forever is forever. Today is the day to worship the Lord. Now is the time to serve the Lord. The church. No, the rock, community, church ought to be your priority. There are great things lying before us. Great things lying before us. It needs all of us, all of us participating to see what is God going to do. Father, only you know I don't. But I'll tell you one thing, Father. I preach this as much as I believe you wanted me to. I, I believe with all my heart. I tried. I pray, Father, that it was real to us and that... It's not just a game we are playing here on this earth, but we have the privilege of privileges, and that is to know you, to understand you, and that we would allow the world to see your wisdom being displayed through the Rock Community Church. What a privilege. Oh, Father God, gift us and use us all for your glory, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I got a little excited, didn't I? Okay, that's a good message. That's a good one. Thanks. God bless you all. Have a great day. Hey, don't. I got to tell you, I love you. I love you with all my heart. Thank you so much for being here. Please, please, please love the Lord.